It's good to be back with you again. We're turning in the scriptures to Jeremiah chapter 25. I want you to open your Bible there and keep it open during the message, please. Thank you very much. Last Lord's Day morning at our drive-in at the Lifeboat Fellowship, I described this virus, this pandemic that's shaking the globe as a thunderbolt from heaven that has descended upon us for two reasons. First of all, it's a display of the wrath and anger of God against a nation and an ungodly world who sinned against God and rejected and neglected his only Son and Saviour. Secondly, it's a display of the grace and mercy of God given to sinners and backsliders in order that they might repent, in order that they might repent and flee from a greater virus, the virus of sin, and find refuge in the only hope of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. This pestilence is likened unto the tenth plague of ancient Egypt, when on Passover night the death angel struck the firstborn of the Egyptian nation. It was in that context that the psalmist in Psalm 78 described the plague as hot thunderbolts from heaven sent from God and executed by evil angels. That's an awesome statement. The only time you will get it in the word of God. Evil angels, the death angel, was an evil angel. Can I say, sinner, backslider today that's listening to me, Take this and what's going on around you now as a thunderclap, as a thunderbolt from heaven to awaken you out of your slumber and your sleep before it's too late. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh and there'll soon be no time for you to come. Always remember that the wrath and the mercy of God is the two sides of the same coin that runs right through the scriptures. We can't have one without the other. No more than you can have summer without winter, roses without thorns, or sea without a storm. Sadly, today in the church and from many of our pulpits, we have a lopsided gospel overloaded with love and mercy and grace. That's all great truth, and it's all needed. But also there's the wrath, and there's the judgment, and there's hell. One portion that's grossly misquoted, indeed part of us not quoted at all, is Isaiah chapter 61, where the Lord Jesus Christ himself, speaking through the prophet, says, The Lord God hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and open the prison house to them that are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God. Friend, there's a day of vengeance. There's a day of retribution. There's a day of judgment. Coming, and there's judgment upon us at this moment. In Psalm 101, the psalmist says, I will sing unto the Lord in mercy and his judgment. His mercy and his judgments. There's two mighty truths there. And the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, was full of grace but he was also full of truth. Now I want to follow on today, not on the metaphor of God roaring with hot thunderbolts and thunderclaps from heaven, but uh, like a roaring lion from the thicket. 
Well, you say that's a very strange language to mention God as a lion. I thought that the devil was the roaring lion. Yes, he is, but a number of occasions in the word of God, we see God represented as the roaring lion. And here in verse 37 and verse 38 of Jeremiah 25, we have these words. Because of the fierce anger of the Lord, he has forsaken his covert as the lion, for their land is desolate because of the fierceness of the oppressor and because of his fierce anger. In other words, in the darkness of the night, the lion of the tribe of Judah springs from his cover suddenly and angrily and attacks the prey, the king of beasts. Remember Isaiah said, Thou art the God that hidest thyself for years and decades in his grace, in his mercy, in his long-suffering. He has hidden his anger and his wrath against the nations. But always remember that God has a controversy with the nations. And the Bible says that God will judge the nations. And part of that judgment is ongoing as I speak. He has let us go on sinning with impunity and implicitness until the 31st of December 2019 when the first case of the coronavirus was reported. It seems that he sprang suddenly and angrily from his thicket, mauling nation after nation and the sword of judgment seems to be loose upon our land. There's no other way, my dear friend, that you can describe this. And we must hold forth this truth as well as all the other truths that we proclaim. You know, whenever I was a young man, a young boy, down on the family farm in Westford Manor, there was another farmer who lived beside us and he had a white-headed bull and it was very cross. The only way that bull could be let out was haltered and under supervision. It was kept in the house most of the time. But I remember one day when we children were playing out in the farm, my mother coming running down the lane and shouting, just get into the house, run, get into the house, Ferguson's bull is on the loose. And we ran all like children, all children ran into the house like, like a flock of chickens under the mother's wing and went to the window. And there didn't we see the bull going past, jumping and roaring. And were we not glad that we were inside? And my friend, you'll be glad if you heed this message today and flee to the ark and flee to Christ and flee to safety because the storm's on. And let me tell you, the party's over. The storm is on. And you need to run as fast as you can for Christ. If ever we needed to pray a prayer, we need to pray, O oh God in wrath, remember mercy. And I want to say this very lovingly today that sadly going out of our homes and from our dens and from our studies by means of media is plenty of messages and thank God for them. But most of them are words of comfort and words of encouragement. And we need words of comfort and we need words of encouragement. Many are fearful. Many are bewildered. Many are dismayed. Amos says the lion roars and who will not fear? God has spoken. But in order to get a cure for this virus, for this pandemic, for this curse, this curse that's let loose by God upon us, 
because nothing can happen outside his will. We need to find out the cause. And the only way you'll find out the cause is in the word of God. Because we read about pestilence after pestilence. I think I counted 50 times the word pestilence mentioned in the word of God. And most of the time, nearly all the times that it was stayed, it was stayed. They got to the very root of it and it was stayed through repentance. And unless we get to the root, we'll have the fruit. And the scriptures of truth is all that we can go to. What says the Lord? What says the Lord? Now in this message, and the next one is all coming from this 25th chapter of Jeremiah. There are four things. I'm going to deal with one of them this morning, but I'm going to give you the four of them now. First thing is this. When the lion sprung, there was a moment when the lion sprung. Secondly, how the lion scattered. Thirdly, where the lion started and when the lion stopped. Now, let's look at the precise moment when the lion broke cover and launched the attack. You see, God is very precise with dates and times. Jeremiah tells us here in verse 3 that it was the 23rd year that he had been prophesying and preaching and weeping over the people of Judah. Three times in verses 3, 4 and 7 he tells us that they refused to hearken to the word of God. Although he rose early burdened in his heart bringing the messages of repentance they wouldn't listen to him. They went on rejecting and provoking the word. Not only that, but he says in verse 4 that God four, that God sent all the servants of prophets rising early. Again, men rising with God's word and declaring to the people from the king down to the very man on the street, bringing the word, but they continually rejected them as well. Now those prophets were Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. And decade after decade, he gives his prophets, his servants, the word to bring to the people. Yet they provoked him. And in verse 8, he says, they provoked him to anger with the work of their hands to their own hurt. The work of their hands was idolatry. The work of their hands was immorality. The work of their hands was a profanity of the Sabbath day. And on and on the sin goes. And then the whole thing changes in verse 8 of this chapter. No, this cometh great first to me the other day. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts. All heaven is behind what is being said here. Therefore thus Listen to it again. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my word, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north. What an awesome statement this is. I will send to the north. You know, literally, I am not saying this is going to happen. But I can tell you if ever this applied to Northern Ireland, it applies to us. 
You remember Eamon said there's a famine of hearing the word? He didn't say there was a famine of the word. But a famine of hearing the word. Of, of, of hearkening to the word. Of obeying the word. And that's a famine that's across this land of ours at this moment. We have more Bibles. We have more Christians. We have more books. We have more literature. We have more churches. We have more sermons. We have more tracts. We have more CDs and DVDs. And the messages are going out these days from our homes and going across the internet and probably there's no place for size in the world that there's much gospel, much word of the word of God going out. But sadly, my friend, it's not obeyed. We might nod our head and we might say amen and we might say that's a good message and that's the word that we need, but what are we doing about it? But maybe before this is all over, we will be glad to obey the word of God. Maybe that's why God, part of the reason why God has shut us in, that we might obey, that we might take stock and obey the word of God. Could it not be by the time the churches are open again, if they are ever open, if the Lord doesn't burst the clouds and come again, would it be that we might be glad to go to the Sunday night meeting? Would we not be glad to get into the tank and obey Lord, the Lord in the waters of baptism? We might be glad to remain behind and remember his death at the cross around the table and not stample out. Maybe we'd be glad to get out into the open air and preach the word. You know, God's angry. God's speaking to the Christians of Northern Ireland and all our denominations. And he's telling us all to take stock, just halting us along the road of life. To take stock of where we're going and what we're doing. And there's more about it than are we church or are we denomination. We need, my friend, to, uh, to take stock and not only to hear the word, but obey the word. We were clearing out over in the barn there a week or two ago and I came across an old box of Bibles. There must have been 25 Bibles in it that people have left behind over the 30 years and some had names and some had none. We couldn't trace them and uh, some had covers on them. I'd say there was probably could have been three or four hundred pounds worth of Bibles and we didn't know what we were going to do with them and the man says, you give them to me, I have a place for them. He come back to me in a week. He says, I got the people are hungry for them down the south of Ireland. And they're taking the word and they want to read the word. They didn't care whether it was an old Bible. They didn't care that it was marked or written over. They didn't care if there's names on it. They wanted the word of God. May that increase. And may we obey the word when we get it. Now, remember this, that Jeremiah is prophesying here in the reign of Jehoiakim. The ungodly, unscrupulous son of the revivalist Josiah. This was the rascal that took his father's word. Remember his father says that when he went in, he cleared out the temple and he says, bring back the book. And whenever Jeremiah presented to him the scrolls, the word of God, he was sitting at the fire 
at the hearth fire. And when he got the scroll and the word of God, he read three or four bits. And then he got the penknife and he cut it into bits and he threw it into the fire and it was consumed. But then it says this, yet he was not afraid. Friend, he had no fear. He had no fear. And we need the fear of God back into us again. You know, he has revered this word above his name. This is the inscrutable will of the living word of the living God. This is God's word is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Be very careful how you handle and how you obey the word of God. You know we're not burning it today, but we're banning it. We have banned it from schools. We have banned it from parliament. We have banned it from the hospitals. We have banned it off the streets. We are trying to ban it off the streets. And banned it from many. And it's out of many churches. The humanists and the modernists. Have tinkered and twisted. And diluted and distorted and dissected. The word that is unrecognizable. I call it the SAV. The sick anemic verses. No blood. No cross, no judgment, no hell. And it all adds up to one thing, my friend, is evident in many of our churches today. No power. No power. Truth has fallen on the streets. But it's bad enough that it's fallen on the streets. It had to fall in the pulpits first. There's hundreds out there this morning and they're preaching another gospel. Has God not driven us out to our homes? And our sanctuaries and our studies to re-examine this whole business. It's not medical inoculation that's going to cure this virus. It's not financial remuneration. It's not personal sanitation. It's not physical isolation. It's spiritual examination. And we need to personally examine the hearts of women that were shut in that are rang on the phone the other day. She says, I'm taking this time to examine my own heart. Personally, we need to examine our hearts. Provincially, we need to examine our hearts. Nationally, we need to examine our hearts. The lion roars at the nation. The cup of iniquity of God is full and has fallen out to a hurt. Don't tell me, my friends, that we can murder with impunity a quarter of a million children in one year. Tearing and tearing them out, living out in pieces out of the mother's womb, living. Maybe if we halted these acts of Parliament regarding abortion, maybe if we halted these acts of Parliament regarding the sodomites and transgender and same-sex marriage, maybe if the Prime Minister would flee from his adulterous relationship, the lion would return to the thicket. Oh, you say that's strong. My friend, that's the word of the living God. And we need to heed it because it's fallen out to a hurt. The world needs to, the word needs to be roared out. The word that needs to be roared out this, this day is repentance. All the pestilence, all the pandemics, all the virus in the word, God halted them when the people repented. John the Baptist came preaching repentance. Jesus came preaching repentance. Paul came preaching repentance. Peter came preaching repentance. 
And the next time we, we, we preach on this chapter, we're going to show you that it, started, it starts with the, at the house of God. Just before the pestilence, just before the pestilence falls in the, in, the, in the tribulation period, our Lord Jesus wrote to the seven churches. He wrote to John on the Isle of Patmos. And out of those seven churches, five of them, he says, repent. He didn't write to the emperor of Rome. He didn't write to the government leaders. He wrote to the church. He's walking up and down in the midst of the church. And it's the church that the message has to go to now. It's the church that needs to take heed at this hour. It's the church. It's not the medical men or the scientists or the prime minister or his briefings or his conferences. And we need to get in behind them and we need to do what we're told. But the call is to repent. Jesus says, repent. And no, oh, if we don't, we're going to pay a very high price for it. And surely we have learned a lesson. And surely we need to cry to God. And surely we need to forget our differences and our wee petty doctrines and our wee petty denominations. And we need to get and cry to God that he'll stay the plague in the land and that he'll, he'll come with mighty revival through this. Thank God people are being uh, spoken to. Thank God people are ringing and calling. Thank God that, uh, that, that there's people hungry and getting hungry and people are fearful and made a fear drive them to Christ because there's a greater virus and there's every house and there's in every home and there's in every man and every woman from the day of her birth and it's sin and my friend the only thing that can cure that is the, was the wrath of God poured upon Jesus Christ at the place called Calvary where he was bludgeoned and battered and crowned with thorns and stripped naked and his back like a ploughed field died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to earth pursued. Amazing grace, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? I tell you, my friend, oh, flee to Calvary, his arms are outstretched. This is a warning. This is the sound clap. This is the thunder clap. This is the roar of the lion. Speaking to those of you who have rejected the Lord down through the years, come now. And his grace and his mercy is calling you again today. If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Come for all things are now ready. He could burst the clouds at any moment. We could be away within five minutes, my friend. We could be gone. It'll be too late. And then it will be over to the tribulation. Always remember, this is not the tribulation. Oh, I tell you, this is not the horseman of the apocalypse riding in. But I tell you, when the pale horse rides in, a quarter of the world's population is going to be destroyed. This thing will pass. God in his mercy will pass it, but he teaches the lessons in it that we need to remember what he's saying to us in these days. May God bless you, and may you tune in again with us soon. Thank you so much. Amen.